anybody up who tries to come through, then we would appreciate it. Jonathan is uh, converting to the act of pouring as an act of holiness, and so... Okay, again, uh, let, let me remind you guys of what we've talked about, and I think sometimes repeating is essential to remembering. On church planning, we said you have to prepare a team, then you have to make sure you connect with people in your location where, you, where you're at, and then you have to make sure that you are persisting on purpose, that you're not allowing you go to heaven if you're good, okay? Have a seat there. You can sit next to Rita. If you want to, there's another chair there, Wes, if you want to pull it out. Um, so that's kind of the, 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 the quick view. Again, in those passages of Scripture, we believe deeply that if you will read passages of Scripture that Jesus says, it'll help you. Think of if you just say, okay, what happens if people say bad things about me? Well, Jesus says if people only say good things about you, uh, that's what they said, how they dealt with the false prophets. In the scriptures are the keys to, maintain, to planting and maintaining your focus in a church plant. So what we're going to do is we've got a, uh, a microphone that we have some out here. We'll need somebody carrying a mic for us. So we've got two up here, we've got one out there. Let me see if I can give one to somebody out here. Who would like to be a, uh, a rover here? Thank you. Here you go. All right, and so this will go as long as you want it to go, or 40 minutes, okay? So we could be done in four, or we could be done in 44, all right? So do we have, uh, there was, my wife, did you suggest that yet? If you have a question, oh, there's kind of overlooked that there, didn't I? If you have a question, you can send them to 636-497-6909. If you don't. You can text that number, whatever you want. Yeah, that's right. So maybe if you already have a question that you haven't texted, is there somebody who has a question about something that we've talked about or a comment or whatever you would, uh, you would uh, want to offer? We must have done an incredible... Got one over here. Steve? First of all, all of you are amazing for what you've done, what you are doing and um, what you've uh, been a part of making happen. But it's an important thing uh, to realize that, oh, I can be excited about this, but I can also want to give up. What are the things that, the biggest things that have made you feel like, okay, I'm done with this, I'm going to give up? I'm, I'm going to let them answer, but I bet I could tell you because I don't think it's that dissimilar. So, uh, go ahead. What is, what is it among the, in the church planting work that you, and all of these guys are on one of our plants that are here. Uh, one that, we have two kinds of plants that's kind of developing, by the way. We're, I'm describing them. I haven't even revealed this with these guys, but we have plants that were birthed from us. That means the people, the, the, they're our team. They were sent out from people that we, that we won, and they're sent out, which would read these. Then we have teams that are engrafted churches that... That, uh, good idea. You're brilliant. <laughs> I should have known that by our choice of men, but anyway. Uh, but anyway, uh, so that, that you're, you're engrafted, in, and that's churches like Tulsa, uh, some stuff that we're going to be doing in Florida, and we're trying to kind of find a way to set up a, a way to be able to 
to help churches that are and people that have their own team, but they want to kind of reproduce what we're doing and train. And so next year, hopefully, we'll have a lot of more detail on that. But let's just go down, and you can share who you are, what your role is, and if you can, briefly, how you became a Christian, where you became a Christian. Okay, just who you are, all right, and where you're from. That'll do for now. Hello. Okay. Uh, ben Mullins. I'm the senior minister from the, at the Interbelt. The senior. I'm the oldest guy. There, okay. I think, also. All right. Um, you can skip the conversion part. That'll come up probably later. Let's go ahead and pass it down. <laughs> We're not sure he's converted, so we wanted to skip it. Sung <laughs> <laughs> Mullins, Ben's wife, um, also at the Annabelle. And do you want my conversion story? No. no. <laughs> I'll come up later. I'm Danielle, I'm Mackie's wife, and we're at Columbia Crossway. Mackie Shedd, I'm Danielle's wife. <laughs> we do have some theological issues with our Columbia plant, okay? <laughs> Sen senior minister at Crossway. And also known as Golden Boy, I'm just saying. Uh, I'm Rita, I'm with that dude. And I'm from, nope, nope. Also known nope. as Golden Girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm Ariel Waddell, and I'm in Columbia. No, I'm not. Where am I? You're not. Wow. I'm with him. I'm yes. in also known as. I'm tired, guys. Okay, got to hold the mic closer there. Okay, there we go. I'm in Collinsville. I'm in Collinsville, guys, for real. Okay. I'm Wes in Collinsville. Okay. So now, then, what was the toughest? And, and there's a question that came on on the uh, through the text that is kind of similar that we can just kind of roll into that uh, if I can get it under lock here said what was the hardest part about going on a church plant and then what was the best part and so that's one that you can, let's just start with the hardest what's the hardest thing to deal with from, from being on a, on a church plant and uh, be as clear as you can as succinct as you can because hopefully we'll have a lot of questions come in um, I think the hardest part two things the hardest part for me was um, the idea of actually moving my family when we have finally set roots down. Um, I moved a lot as a kid, and so and we moved a lot to get to Missouri. So when, after we bought a house, and we're like, let's go to church plant. It's like, but we finally got a house, and I have friends, and I feel safe here, and you want to move me. That was one of the hard things. I say two. Is it okay if I say two? No. Okay. Hold it close, Mike, close. I'm going to say two anyway. <laughs> I'm rebellious, but I think the second hardest thing about going on the church plant for me was the people on the church plant, other people on the church plant, because I had all these expectations of them, of how they were going to be, and then they're fallible people, and when we all got together, we had to figure out um, how to work together um, in context of all grieving, being home, but excited to be somewhere different. I, I think for me the hardest thing was, like Ariel said, actually, was leaving uh, the church we were at. We had started a church uh, previously in Illinois and had been there for 20 years. And probably for the last two years of that 20 years, we had finally got some money. <laughs> 
or we didn't have to live paycheck to paycheck and worry about the car getting repossessed or whatever, you know. But so we finally had some stability. And then when we decided we were going to start planting churches, and I just really felt called to go on that church plant. And it terrified me. And I can remember, I'm like looking around at the audience, and we were probably running around 600 at that point. And I'm, I'm looking around and going, wow, you know, I love these people. I've been here from the, from the beginning. And so leaving was really hard. I can remember driving in my car and listening to songs and bawling. And like, I've got to leave this. But I really felt called to, too, you know. And I think one of the coolest things now is we were on vacations last Sunday, and we got to go to the Interbelt Church while we were on vacation with my family. And it was so cool because I'm looking out over all these people, and they were giving their testimonies, and they were talking about where they were and where God had brought them. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, if, you know, if... If they hadn't left and went there, these people probably would have been lost. I don't know. Maybe they would have found God in some way. But I know we also played a part in that. And I just cried, you know, sitting there. And I'm going to cry again. But anyway, that's it. <laughs> so the hardest thing, it's similar, I guess, or almost the same as what Rita said. But you go on a church plant and you expect your fellow church planters to be... Um, church planners, you know, and to know everything and to do everything the way they're, they're supposed to. So it can get really frustrating, especially if you're a perfectionist like I am and I want everything done 110%, you know, to the goal. And, um, and so when that falls short and it just happens week in and week out, week in and week out, um, and then you realize <clears throat> in that frustration that, man, you've got it easy compared to probably what Jesus was going through, right? He had boneheaded disciples every day um, that he had to deal with, dumb questions. You know, I've heard teachers say there's no such thing as a dumb question. No, that's not really true. It's not really true. The disciples had some really dumb ones, you know, with Jesus. And so I take a lot of solace in that to know that, okay, if I'm going to be a successful church planner, it's going to take me dealing with frustration working through that with people, helping develop even leaders. Like a big part of church planning is developing leaders, and that doesn't happen overnight. So uh, the great thing is just the relationships that we've been able to build, I think. And that's, that's a, I think, a critical piece. And I think it's been said sort of in roundabout ways and in, in some direct ways as well through over the course of the last two days. But guys, if you just thrust a group together that doesn't know each other, and that won't literally die for each other, I'm not sure that that's going to be the, the productive church plant that it could be. If you had a close-knit group of people that would literally die for each other, that are there through thick and thin, no matter what's going on, they're intimately involved in each other's lives, that's going to be a successful church plant. You pull somebody from California, from Texas, from Maine, to all these places, you bring them together, they've never met each other, and you send them out on a church plan. I mean, good luck. I mean, God can do a lot of amazing things. But man, um, when you're already a family, and you go, and you're in each other's lives, that's been the greatest blessing for me, is working with my family to go save the world. And some of that, let me just interject, the reason that we do what we do with the training process is because we recognize in the ministry of Jesus, here's the, the guy, the son of God, the creator of everything, who limits himself to a human form, which meant he limited himself. And in his method of training, he chose to spend time with a group of people 
for a year and a half to two years and a half, you know, depending on the timelines you'd look at, and then he would send them out. And I, I think that that is the master's plan of evangelism, to rip off Robert Coleman, but I think it's true. Okay, we'll, we'll I'm sorry. Um, so I guess the worst part of the church plan, I wouldn't say is, is me. Um, <laughs> Um, and I'll say that because I was always shy. Um, this is very terrifying with this microphone. Um, and so um, but that's always been my life was I, was, I, I would, you know, I can't do that. I'm shy. And, but the best part of being on the church plant is basically this panel of people here and others in, in, this, in this family, in this church. T showing me scriptures, um, telling me that God did not give me the spirit of timidity, and telling me that I can, you know, do this because of God, of, of Jesus. And so um, without them, I would still be shy. And, but, you know, I, I struggle with the insecurities sometimes, but then they kick me in the butt, literally. <laughs> Um, so I guess I would have to say the hardest part is the unknown. I've never thought I would ever go on a church plant, and I was spoiled because I was raised in the campus ministry that was rolling and doing so well. I mean, when I left, we were at, like, almost 100 people in the campus ministry, um, and I saw some hardships with persecution at Lindenwood, but I was not prepared for what would come when I was at the forefront, when I had to stand for truth, when I had to be bold. I was spoiled. I had my leaders. I had Carrie, I had Hannah, I had the Coxes model that. And now it was our turn to keep that ball rolling, no matter what culture was coming and telling us. Um, and that was, I mean, my, my feet were held to the fire. And many times I wanted to run away. And I think that was really hard to see how sometimes I did cave and I didn't say what I needed to and there were learning opportunities but there were times when Satan was like because you are a coward you're not cut out for this and I'm so grateful for the relationships like she said here in this group who are like well some things you can only learn by failing and I'm grateful for all those chances um, I think the other hard thing was having expectations of that you start a church and you have the right people because we have the best people on this plant and you still fail. You still have people walking away. And I think now, you know, you look in the Bible and everyone you see fails. Everyone you see has someone that will not follow them anymore. And, but in my head, the first year I was like, we, we got to grow to X, Y, Z. And, and that will solidify that God wants us here. And, looking at the Bible, that's just not true. The more you do, sometimes the more comes at you, and that's okay. Um, best part is seeing lives change, like Rita said, and seeing people who would have never known about Christ if it wasn't for us sharing the word, regardless of how we felt sometimes. I think the hardest part for me was leaving a church that got me away from my addictions, from wanting to end my life. <laughs> Uh, and just healing from that. And then when I went on the church plant, the hardest part, I think, was dealing with myself. 
you know, and having to deal with my relationships and my shortcomings and my lack of boldness and my shyness and all those things. And, and the best thing is, is seeing those change lives, the healing that I was able to get and, and taking it. And that's the reason I went because I'm like, I want other people to know what I know now. Like, I love that. I guess I'll answer since everybody else did. For me, it was the same kind of thing Ben said, dealing with myself. Uh, I think when you go out and lead a church, it amplifies uh, in some ways your strengths. It also amplifies your weaknesses. Um, and so your weaknesses are going to come to the forefront. Um, and so it's been a refining process, uh, and it continues. Um, and that's not always pleasant or fun, but it's how you grow. So. And for someone who is, you know, for me, I never thought I would be on this church plan. I thought I would die at, uh, in my previous church. So it was, uh, but there were a series of things that started happening. And I, I was talking, I think, with Jonathan before. In our previous church, we had started, you know, with 15 people or 16 people in our, uh, 15, 15 or 16 adults on a Sunday morning. And I think that included kids too, actually. In our very first service, we talked about planning our very first meeting. And to call it a service would be a disservice. It was just sitting around taking communion and talking. But we talked about planning, making disciples and planning churches in our very first one. And there was three or four men that were there. And by the time it came time to plant a church, they had sort of got comfortable. They had established themselves very uh, successfully financially with businesses and were, were doing well. And they began to lose the vision for church planting. It, it was said, I've planted my church. It's time for somebody else to do that. And we never teach that everybody has to go on a church plant. What we teach is that if you're a disciple, you have to be open to going on a church plant if God is calling you. And you have to be objective and make sure that you're not muting his call out of your personal convictions and preferences. But for me, one of the hardest things, I guess, it was obviously leaving a church that I never thought I would leave. But also, I'd mentioned before, I'd had my salary doubled in 2001. And I'd went from $22,500 to $45,000 a year. And it wasn't that those guys wouldn't pay me sometimes, by the way, with a lower salary. Sometimes it was just, hey, we can't afford to do this if we don't have the money. And so it was out of my choice often that that happened. But it still didn't make it easy. And so for the first time ever, Rita mentioned, I was able to pay my bills and not worry about, you know, I didn't have to drive over it. 11 o'clock at night to East St. Louis to the electric company and drop the check in so that we'd have enough money in there to pay it. One of the things you didn't mention is you guys went into debt when y'all yeah. came over here on credit cards to pay for bills sometimes. Right. Significant debt. Yeah. In, in the beginning, in the beginning we did, you know, it was, it, we, we had, we were supported for, I was supported for two years and Carrie for one year by our, the church that sent us out, the church that I'd helped start. But so, but, and I'm not a, but when we came over, I thought, man, I was 40, I was the age Carrie is now. And I remember going, man, if I fail, I don't have anything. I don't have any savings. I don't have any retirement. I don't have any anything. And if this fails, I don't know what it's going to do to my wife. My kids were old enough to where, hey, you can, they can go and fight for scraps in the street if they have to. But, you know, but for us, it was another issue. And that was a thought that went through my mind. And honestly, it was very strong, but it was very short to where I tried. And I think I did take that thought captive. And that's probably a, a feeling and a prayer that I had for maybe a week or less. But it still was like, God, and it came down to what we talked about last time. It really came down to, am I going to trust or not? And it seemed like a lot of other people, friends, had a lot more faith in me than I had. 
because you know you can you can think oh that church will do well if you're in ministry you know there are variables that you and people good people that it doesn't work out and you're going and, and that could be me so I think that was it let me move on then and we won't have everybody answer these questions now and maybe uh, these will be kind of limited to uh, I'll specify who I think maybe should best answer it just based on what I know but somebody said uh, what uh, how do you go, how do you step out of the role of follower and begin someone to be viewed as a leader? And we've got, you know, on the team, I think you've got Zung down there who became a Christian uh, in our campus ministry, was a agnostic when she came along, came out of, she's Germanese, by the way, uh, has a history of her father involved in, the, in a communist party in, in uh, Vietnam and then escaped into to Germany, but uh, was definitely, you know, somebody who who's had to experience that so Zung how do you how do you step out of the role of follower and become someone who's not simply viewed as a leader but is a leader yeah I think um, by being a good follower you are a good leader because if you are not teachable then you can't teach anybody else and if you won't submit to anybody then no one should submit to you um, I think I was really blessed to have amazing leaders who challenged me, dreamed for me. They taught me literally everything I know. I grew up with no friends, I was so shy, I wouldn't talk to anybody. So I had to be taught literally everything. Um, and f following them, I copied and pasted what they taught me and um, made some friends along the way and basically just loved people and I think that's when people follow is when you are a genuine friend who's there who cares who loves makes mistakes still there um, yeah and I think that would probably be what all of us would say somebody asked this question what does the training process look like and what are some obstacles that pop up during that time and I'll just answer and let you guys jump in two or three it looks hopefully a lot like the training with Jesus and his disciples. Uh, the problems are I'm not Jesus, okay? That's the, that's the biggest problem we've got is, you know, uh, hey, I'm not him and nobody is. But I, we really do, I, we're not trendy. I think, it's a, I think that Jesus gave a model of ministry that was designed to transcend any cultural or socioeconomic setting, that it will work in China, when they're shut down or work in the United States if it's followed. So there's a, there's a mentoring, a discipling process that goes on to where, and it starts early on giving a vision of that when somebody's, the very first time somebody studies the Bible with somebody, we're gonna study a, a study that we, des, we describe as seeking God, it's in our booklets. But if there's three people are in that study, which normally it is, and if Wes is the, the, the guy that's, you know, that's a new Christian, he's got a friend that he's brought, I may be in that study leading the study. And as we're studying and about God's plans for them, I will say to the person who is here, hey, you may wonder why I'm here. I know Wes is your friend, but I'm here because, you know, Wes wants to help you learn, learn what it means to follow Christ. And I'm here to help Wes learn how to teach you that better. But what I want you to know is if everything goes the way that God designed, if this table were to spin, the next time you're here, Wes will be the one that's teaching. I'll be bumped out. And you'll be the one that's learning how to teach someone else to become a follower. 
And that's not just a thing that we say just as a, but we want to plant in that person the very, from the very beginning a dream and the idea that, it, that they know that at their baptism, that's not the end. There's a growth process. Some of you guys can, what, what's the training process look like? Yeah, so that's uh, uh, something that I had a question about before I moved over here. Um, if you want to know, the way we do it at the crossings is you just come be part of the church. Uh, so I had been in minister, ministerial leadership. Uh, like I said, I had a decade of experience. Uh, I had been on staff at churches. I spoke at conferences. I, you know, traveled around. Then I came here and it was like, what's my role? Well, just be, be a member of the church. Um, well, that was kind of weird because I was used to preaching. You know, I was used to being up front. Uh, but I just came in and I had no responsibility. Uh, the only expectation I had was, hey, come be part of the small group. I got into a cell with uh, Craig Davis. Some of you guys know Craig. Uh, they studied the Bible with me. I was already a Christian. They studied the Bible with me. I had the studies memorized. And I would sit there and smile at Craig because I knew what he was going to say next. I'd use those studies for like years. Uh, but they studied the Bible with me. Um, and, and we were just part of the ministry. And so we would go out and do ministry. So whenever we send a church plant team out, uh, the way we do our training um, is you, he mentioned this before, but just let me repeat it, okay? No, it's good. You join a small group. Your, your small group is your church plant team. And you go out and do ministry for a year. Um, and whenever you then change locations, we have a saying at the crossing, same dance, different floor. We have the same model, we have the same ministries, we have the same stuff we do, same studies, uh, same answers whenever issues come up, same kind of methods for dealing with stuff, we just, we just move locations. That's why for our model, it works best right now, the way we're currently doing things, it's going to work best with people like us. If we go do cross-cultural missions, we're going to have to think through that, because our model in the Midwest is not going to work over there, you know, we're going to have to think through that, but it'll be the same principles, but that's pretty much it. It is not... There's no curriculum. There's no, it's just come be part of the church and go do ministry, and we're going to talk about it. Same thing we see in the, the passages we've been looking at. Go among the people, do ministry, work with those who respond favorably, right? And then if you're somebody that's training somebody to do that, just talk through it. Work through it. Talk, talk through the situations. I don't know if anybody else has anything different to say, but that's pretty much it. Anybody else want to add in? Yeah, I mean, basically, that was it. You know, I was talking to Kayla right before we reconvened in here and we, uh, moving, you know, Mackie talked about how he came to me and he's like, hey, we're gonna go to Missouri. And then like a little bit later, you know, he kind of buried the lead. He's like, we're gonna, you know, maybe plant a church. I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> what does that even look like? Like, what is, what? Um, and so, yeah, we just, I, I showed up here and lived with people I didn't know and hung out with people I didn't know. Like, I didn't know anybody. They were thinking that I was not real. Like, Mackie really didn't have a wife. Because he would be here a lot and I would not. And so, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I got put into a small group. I asked Rita if she would, you know, do the studies with me. Um, mainly because I hadn't done the studies with anybody because remember I'm shy and um, and so yeah I just um, it was kind of humorous uh, I think God had a hand in this I, I got to study with the Bible with another lady who was very fun we'll say that <laughs> and um, but then 
like when it came down to it, when we, you know, I guess our, you know, training sessions where we were meeting as a group, um, that was kind of interesting because um, we're going through books and, and things like that and we're meeting together like once a month and then COVID hit. And um, you would think that, okay, well, we're going to put this on pause. Nope, nope, we're not going to put this on pause. And we carry through and, and um, you know, it just, again, it shows that, that trust in, in God, not in everything else. I think we're the, we're the only group I know of that planted a church in 2020. Yeah. Do we know anybody? Like in the, I was, I was going to say. We just couldn't wait to get rid of Mackie. That was, that was. Yeah. No, so, <clears throat> yeah, I meant to share this in, in the trust section, but Danielle moved up here before I did. Right, she came up here knowing no one. She had not been previously coming to the conferences and getting and building relationships like I had. So she came up here really trusting God, stayed with a family that um, she had never met. Um, and while I was still in Alabama trying to sell property and, and figure out all of that kind of stuff. And so she was up here, I don't know, how many months were you here? Four. four well, without me though. Was it four months? Wow, four. <laughs> yeah, so we were we were uh first ladies retreat. It was amazing. Like I felt the love of everybody in the church and I went to Sarah Mullins and I was just bawling because like Janice's lesson like cut me like I was I was oh and but I was like I love being here. I love all of y'all but I really miss my husband. <laughs> and then I was exhausted, like, em like emotionally exhausted, physically exhausted. So me and Kayla get back to the Davis's house and my son, Nathan, um, he calls me up. He's like, hey, you wanna go to Buffalo Wild Wings and eat dinner with me? I'm like, I'm so tired. I'm like, but you know, your, your teenage son asked to hang out with you. You said yes. So I show up to Buffalo Wild Wings and all of a sudden someone comes behind me and, and like puts his hand over my eyes. I thought it was Carrie because <laughs> Carrie would do that kind of stuff to me. And, um, but I turn around and I started crying again because it was Mackie and he surprised me. And then I told everybody, the uh, first person I called was Sarah. I was like, look who. My shy wife. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I was just going to say, the only thing I was going to say is, so Wes said he knew all the studies, he had them memorized, but he still went through them. And we really believe this, guys, that leaders are not the exception, they're supposed to be the example. And so we are on equal playing ground with everyone, we have different roles for sure, different things that God has gifted us with, and we serve in those ways, but we're not the exception, we're the example. And the training process, honestly, is the same that we go through for everybody else in becoming a disciple in the small group. And then when the team is selected, like she said, there is a, we have a series of books that we take people through that we have found very functionally helpful for us. Some of them doctrinal on basis, some of them more ministry practicum, I guess it would, would maybe describe. But it's, a, it's an intense time as we try to get them ready. Uh, another question uh, was how do you deal with a person and we've only got, I'm going to have, you know, maybe a couple of our guys answer this, just or, or girls that have dealt with it. But how do you deal with a person or persons who were selected for the church plant? And as the plant got rolling, they began to clearly hurt the plant's growth or weren't reliable 
at uh, weren't reliable as to the cause of the plant. You want me to answer that? Yeah, whoever, a couple guys, just quickly as you can. Okay. Um, we had to deal with this, uh, and others did too. We, uh, Ariel mentioned in her answer that um, some of the folks on our, you know, the team didn't meet the expectation when it came to actually getting out there and getting to work. One of the things we do before we send a team out is we interview everybody and we take them through an interview process. Um, so when we get ready to form a team later this year, um, it'll be the same deal. Everybody will come and they'll be interviewed by the leaders. And what are the questions that are asked? There are three, we'll hand out when we do this this fall, it'll have, it's one we've, we've uh, be put in uh, for the contribution uh, as far as when the baskets are passed, everybody will be given a card from our church and it'll say, I feel called to go on the church. I feel called by God to go on the church plant. I feel God to stay, called by God to stay at the crossings and fill gaps that are, that are left for those who leave. Or I call, feel called by God to make myself available to go or stay, depending on whatever, wherever the leaders yeah. fly would best be used. So those conversations are had ahead of time uh, with us. There is a stringent interview process and if uh, we know there are certain issues with certain folks we're going to talk about that stuff in the interview process yeah and you still you work for a year together before you go out on a plant but if you get out on a plant and people just aren't uh, functioning like there's a higher expectation that I have on team members people that went on the plant team like I've got a different set of expectations for them than I would a lost person would reach out in the community. And I'm gonna be a lot more patient if we're reaching somebody that we're just bringing in that, that's got issue. of course, we're gonna be super patient. I'm less patient with people on the plant team. And I'll just tell you, and what you have to do uh, if folks are uh, just consistently not repentant or not changing is you need to invite them to leave and either go back to the home congregation, uh, but you have got to protect your church as a leader. And if you've got people on that team that just aren't pulling the same direction, you just need to sit, you got to confront it. Wes. And you got to talk through it. Can I, let, can I give an example of it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and I will give a name uh, and you can talk to him about it. Uh, we had a guy on our team. He was actually the worship leader. His name is Max, <laughs> Max Miller. And uh, he, uh, on he the was, original plant. On the original plant. So he came with us and he was having issues with sin and and uh, wasn't repentant, and we took him off the, uh, the worship team because that's, you know, we wanted to present, then wants to present somebody like that in front of everybody as a leader. Uh, and it ended up that we had to ask him to leave because, because he wouldn't. But uh, when the Collinsville plant went out, you know, because those things were dealt with and he went back to uh, Wentzville and they dealt with him and helped them to, to grow, uh, he he got married later, has kids, but he became one of the the people that went on the on the plant. Let me close uh, that. I, I didn't think too. I stepped off the plant. I was on with you guys because I wasn't ready. Yeah, and, and honestly, with that, the discipline that goes on, the expectation when Wes says he's less patient, I, and I think you could go, well, what I mean about where is that? The expectation is greater for somebody who's on the on the team than not. And if you want an example of what that looks like, you have the, who, who, the Apostle Paul was the Jew of Jews, but when he wrote to the Galatian church, he says to them, and he's talking about circumcision, he says, those who are, you, you who are, are stressing circumcision, I wish you would go ahead and emasculate yourself, right? That's kind of a graphic, that'd get you in trouble today if you said it. But, but he also says that circumcision means nothing. And yet before he would take Timothy on the team, this is an adult male. And he goes, hey, Timothy, and Timothy goes, hey, I want to go on the team. Uh, okay, I've got a couple of expectations for you. 
you know, I don't want to cut this too short, but let me give you the... <laughs> okay. <laughs> but you're going to have to be circumcised, okay? And you can imagine, that's a, cost, that's a cost counting for every male, you know, that you think it's going on. But the point is, Paul understood that there was an expectation of the people that he was going to be going to, that Timothy was going to be a, not only not helpful, but a detriment. Unless that, and, and that wasn't an area of sin even. That was an area, an area of wisdom. And we've had, in every team that we've formed, there's been somebody that didn't end up going. There's been somebody that has been sent back and... In all of those things, only one person that's been in that process has not been fully restored and is not in some position of leadership now within a church. Discipline is about, it's not about punishment, it's about correction. You know what I mean? When they set your arm when it's broke, it's not about punishment, it's about correction. I started to say the ones that are sent back, it's not just punishment. No, at all. But when they're on a plant with when you've got like 8, 10, 20 people even on this plant and you've got somebody that is requiring a lot of help and a lot of work that was supposed to be there to help, you can kill the plant. And so we're like, we're going to send you back where they have more people that can help. That You know, it's not like it's just punishment, but they're going back to get help, hopefully to go back again. Yep. All right. Another question here. Sorry. Uh, let me move on to the next one. We've got time for maybe... Can I say one more thing that's kind of weird about the crossings? Yeah, uh, they were talking about people having problems. Um, normally, uh, like I've got a lot of friends that are ministers. Uh, you hear occasionally about ministers getting fired. Um, and every time I hear about a minister getting fired from a church, they are no longer part of that church. Uh, they move on somewhere. Um, the crossings, we don't do that. Uh, and I can just tell you, if something happened with me and I was somehow needed to be removed from leadership, I wouldn't leave. I would stay here because it's my family. Um, and I don't know many ministers uh, that would be like that. Uh, but here at the crossings, it's normal. And if you have a problem and need to step back from leadership, the philosophy we operate from is we want to help you get healthy and get back. It's not that we want you to stop being a leader forever and you need to go find another community to be a part of, which is normal church practice, which is weird, right? Just like it's weird to hire somebody to come lead your church that you don't even know. We're going to pay some professional and just hope it works out. That's weird. But it's more of a family dynamic here uh, than I've seen anywhere else. And it's a really healthy part of the culture that I think is unique and different that should be normal. But for some reason... We, we've gone a different direction, and we just we need to get back to family connections. Yeah. And, and the, uh, anytime you're, if you look at the first century church, there's, you know, you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the story of Jesus' life. You got the book of Acts, the history of the first century church. And then you got the, from, from, from Romans to, to Revelation, you have the problems within the church. You know, um, all of the epistles are addressed to deal with issues. That's uh, one of the things I think that sometimes uh, when it comes to preaching is that we ignore the model sometimes of Scripture, and that was not simply to open up a book and go through it verse by verse, but was to address issues in the proclamation or the writing. And I, I think a blend of those are good, but, but so you're going to have issues, and we have issues, and you have people, you know, we have people that, that act poorly in our fellowship, and we have people who act poorly in our leadership. 
and what we're trying to do is to make sure that we're dealing with that in a way that, that, that those problems do not destroy, but they become a basis to build. Uh, one last question, and, and, we'll, uh, and we've got a bunch, and I wish you, we would have done a better job of maybe filtering, but with many different churches, how will the relationship building process work with leaders from different churches coming together? Now, just to begin with, these guys, we are all, we have a phrase around here that came out of fear that, of, of people that are planting and what can happen, and as we will always be we. Uh, that there's a, now that doesn't mean, you know, that, that there won't become a time when we say, you have to do that. My family, Carrie, Ashley, Jackson, those guys, Malachi, Hattie, all, we will always be we. But there's going to come a time whenever there will be responsibilities that are going to be sh purely on the shores of the children or grand sh on, on the shoulders of them. So they're, because that's the maturation and the family development growth. But these guys, you know, everybody that's up here, the guys, we get together, like I said, about every average, every week, every other week, maybe average for the year. There's a lot of breaks that we can't get there. And every time that we're together, Rita is on Zoom with the, with the ladies. Every week. The, it, the women have to Zoom. Oh, the women have to Zoom because they're the ones that usually carry other jobs or with the kids. You know, they're the ones that work. So um, we have to Zoom. We don't get the time together like they do, right, girls? Right? Yeah, I would say that um, these ladies are these ladies are my closest friends. I'm not gonna cry. Maybe, but they they are my closest friends, and I tell them all kinds of crazy. And I'm grateful for them putting up with my crazy. And I think how we stay connected is because we're all fighting the same battle together. And we have a safe place to trust that our, we will be told when we're acting insane or when we're like, that's legitimate and you just need to power through this or you need to have more people. But we spend a lot of time together. Um, like we didn't meet the last couple weeks. And so I was like, Danielle, what are you doing? <laughs> Zung, when you're coming back from out of the country. Like, and like these ladies are, I couldn't do life well if I had these other ladies fight in the same battle with me. Guys, if you're, if you're a part of a uh, church staff or a group of uh, leaders in your various churches that can't be vulnerable with each other, that is incredibly unhealthy. It's not what we have going on here. Um, I, I've been a part of that where you go into elders meetings and staff meetings and everyone puts on the good face and they're afraid and, and they have to speak about how busy they are because that's job security whereas in this context we don't want to talk about how busy we are because we don't want to intimidate people or make people not want to come spend time with us so it's, it's really in a lot of ways just kind of backwards um, but backwards in a good way so if you're in a leadership position, man, you need to be in a, you need to encourage and cultivate and find a way, especially if you're going to go out on a church plant where you guys can be each other's best friends. You can be involved in each other's lives, challenge each other, not be worried about sharing your crap with other people for fear of your job, you know, security and all that kind of stuff, guys. It, if you want to change the world, it takes uh, setting, the, setting the pace for your people that you lead. Um, by confessing, by being vulnerable, by being open and, and transparent. Let me close that out because of time right now. But with pointing us back to Jesus and the reality in 2 Timothy 2, Paul says, Then, my son, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. 
that the foundation for these relationships are the grace of Christ Jesus, both in the ability to forgive and the empowerment, the charisma, the, the gift that God enables us with, that word grace is there. And he says, are the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust are reliable people who will be qualified to teach others as well. And he says, then next he says, join with me, join with me in the suffering. So you've got to be strong in grace. Then you, he's saying, you just do what you saw me do. So everything that we do together, they're already doing with their church leaders in their church. We get together every week. They'll get together with their people on it, or every other week. They're going to be getting with their key leaders at the same way. And eventually that will blossom into where they will have a plant that's theirs and they'll be doing the things that we're doing. But it goes back to the ministry model of Jesus. For us, his grace in coming to us, then it comes to watching Jesus, and then the apostles did what they saw. And then people watch what they saw. And then after that, that spread out. But you need to, it's important in that second thing too, too, to know that three is there, joining the suffering. That church planting is an is, and, and discipleship is an invitation to join in the suffering. But oh, what the incredible blessings are. Let's pray. And the food is where, Carrie? No. Oh, is there a session? Sorry, I thought we were at lunch. My bad. God, thank you for everybody being here. Thanks for the food that we'll receive after the next session. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> <laughs>